It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Boston Loose Baseball, episode 15, coming your way. You will hear from young Nationals starting pitcher Jackson Tatro, our guest today. Plus, we'll talk about how well he's thrown the last week. The Nats rotation has been really, really good. And we're looking ahead, heat of the summer, to these schedules on the horizon for the Nationals. All coming up on Bustin' Loose Baseball right now. This is Bustin' Loose Baseball with Grant and Danny. Interviews, analytics, and analysis on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Bustin' Loose Baseball is on the air. Producer Darius Dameron making it sound good. Alongside Danny Ruye, I'm Grant Paulson. And how about the Nats taking a series in Texas? The bats break out. On Sunday, Juan Soto on base five times. Only Ted Williams has ever been on base four or more times in a game before the age of 24. Then Juan Soto, who walked four times and had a single. That was a little more like it in Texas. Danny, that was easy to like. A little bit of a, a hook reference here. There you are, Peter. That's him. Spitting on stuff that's close. All great takes, good hitting position, not getting out of his stance, not trying to do too much with the swing. I think that that tracer of a double to left center field just off the base of the wall, I can't remember what day that was. They all run together, whether it was Friday or Saturday, was a nice lock-in moment for him. Listen, he's going to go on a tear at some point. He's just too good not to. I understand this, the surrounding circumstances. You look at some of the metrics, the, the luck has been terrible. He's his in the low 200s on batting average and balls in play. That stuff doesn't sustain itself. He's going to go on a, a nice little rip-roaring streak here. I think that was a really good sign. Yeah, it certainly was. I'm just still picturing, it, picturing Juan Soto on his knees as Peter Pan and you being a lost boy and you poking and prodding at his cheeks and pulling back his face and taking off his glasses. There you are, Peter. There you are, Juan. There you are. But, yeah, it was good to see the four walks. Uh, Jackson Tatro's on the pod today. Last two starts for him. So he was in Texas on Sunday, four hits over six innings of one Ernie ball. And then if you go back before that one week, he pitched against the Phillies in the heat of what was kind of the Nats at their worst. And he threw seven innings of six hit, no run ball. So he's made three starts. I was at the first start. And I came away about as impressed as you can when someone gives up nine hits and seven runs because I was told the fastball velocity, which averaged around 90 a few years ago, is now up to close to 94 at this point. And he was touching 99 at Nationals Park. He, he was sitting 97, and he had a really nice slider, and the arm is lively, and the fastball jumps on you. So I kind of liked what I saw. 
That was a start, by the way, where he was called up and they were in a terrible situation in the bullpen. So despite getting knocked all over the place in his debut, they basically just asked him to wear it, stay on the hill, let this Braves team that at the time had won 13 straight games since has become the best team in baseball this month. You know, let them wear you out, basically. But after that, in these two outings now, 13 innings, one run, six strikeouts, 10 hits. I mean, he's not missing a ton of bats. I don't know how sustainable it is that he's going to pitch at this ERA over these two starts, which is, you know, below one. But it has been really, really good to see finally someone from the system come up and give you a spark, give you something, something as a fan that's exciting. He's not a baby. He's 26 years old. But he's a big dude at six foot five. Uh, he looks the part. State College of Florida drafted in the seventh round. It has been a long, long time since the Nats, we've talked about this, have drafted, developed, graduated a pitcher who turned into an actual fixture in their rotation. And I'm not sure that Tatro will, but to this point, it has been really, really cool to see finally one of these guys that isn't a household name, that isn't a top prospect. He wasn't even in the top 30 in a mediocre system, according to MLB Pipeline, get called up and have a little bit of success. Like This kind of thing happens for other teams, Danny, all the time. It doesn't happen here enough. Like The Braves just call these dudes up like Spencer Strider, and they're throwing 100 miles an hour and striking dudes out, and they're going seven innings at a time. I want my one time like to hit on the guy that no one knew was going to be good. And through two starts, Tatro gives me a little bit of hope that maybe they have unearthed the gem. You said it very well. I mean, and listen, it sounds laughable and, and obvious to say, yeah, a guy gives up one earned run in 13 innings, and that, that may not be sustainable. But the part you're talking about, I think, is the thing I want to hone in on here. He is not really striking hitters out, which is... Something that has to change. I mean, you think of the true outcomes. You think about how that's revolutionized baseball. You think about how you know front offices and, and the guys with great calculators and pocket protectors and, and really thick horn rim glasses have changed this game about what we sort of look for for pitching. Balls in play are unpredictable. Stuff happens, man. Corkscrew ground balls that with eyes or little pop-ups that fall in. Line drives that either at somebody or you know with the little topspin that fall in. There's a million different variables. What doesn't change are balls out of the zone and swing and miss capability. He's not missing a ton of bats at this point. Now, does that mean you can never get out to the major league level? No. I watched some of the greatest pitchers of all time do that with consistency, but that's kind of going the way of the Dodo, right? The guy with pinpoint control, the, the, the Jamie Moyers, the Tom Glavins, the Greg Maddoxes, and you know a million other guys could get outs at the highest levels by mixing, changing speeds, and they're like just inducing weak contact. Hitters are so good, and pitching has kind of risen to, to meet that. But back to Tetro himself. It's hard not to be impressed. I mean, there are guys sometimes that can't deal with the bright lights and the adversity that knocks you down a peg. I feel bad for for Joanna Doan, for example. He shouldn't have been in the major leagues, but he was going out there every fifth day, just wearing it, struggling, going through his developmental stuff at the highest level. You just hope that it doesn't ruin a guy. Tetro, his first outing, he struck out Ronald Acuna and then gave up 217 base hits in four innings. Numbers approximate. But the bounce back since then, to believe in yourself, the confidence, take that ball again four days later and shove a couple times on some a couple pretty decent lineups, hard not to be really impressed with that guy, Grant. Yeah, and again, if you dive any deeper into the numbers, you'll find some things that'll worry you plenty in the sense that, so he, he's been called up, right, for three starts. About 90% of the pitches he's thrown are fastballs or cut fastballs. Like, that isn't going to do it. You, you can't, unless you're a reliever <laughs> right. who's throwing one inning at a time, you're never going to be able to succeed over the course of a season, in my opinion, doing that. 60% four-seamers, 29% cut fastballs. He's thrown 8% of his pitches as curveballs. 
Uh, Savant's got him at 22 curveballs so far. Uh, and 10 change-ups, all of them to left-handed batters. And that is roughly about, again, like 4% of his pitches. So you're, you're talking about almost 90% of what he's thrown for seam or cut fastballs. So that, that'll catch up to you. The, the rotation, uh, excuse me, the repertoire needs work, obviously. If you're looking at some of the metrics on the fastball, the velocity's average is almost 95, which again, that's something. It's firm and it works at this level if you're locating. Compared to what he was a few years ago, it's massively improved. But that is, and this just speaks to baseball now, 30th percentile among fastball velocities in this sport right now. That's insane. It's crazy. By the way, I do this old, I do this old man thing all the time, right? Even though I know that it is, I'm aware of the information. Yeah. Everything you're saying is correct. I can't get over that. It's just because of the game I grew up with. It's so different. Ninety-four point and something, you know, and change. I think it's ninety-four six or something. Thirtieth percentile in fastball velocity, and that works. If we've talked a lot about a, a pitcher that I love in the Nats minor league system, who should be in the big league soon, Matt Cronin, who they drafted in the fourth round, who has a Sean Doolittle like, you know, ninety-four, ninety-five, top of the zone with a super high spin rate, so it actually sustains itself and it looks faster. Well, his fastball spin rate is in the ninth percentile in baseball. So, I mean, these types of things, when we're really looking into what is he ultimately, like, I don't want anyone getting ahead of themselves or getting overly excited, but the bottom line is he looks like he could be an option in the major leagues. Maybe you can slot him in to this rotation at some point. You know, when when you're throwing with the stuff that he is, now it's about tweaking things and getting some big league coaching and development, and maybe he becomes something. Uh, we should have a quick conversation on spin rate just to kind of further educate people a little bit on something that gets talked about a lot. So the, the way I always talk about spin rate to, to make it make more sense is if someone's throwing 93 with a low spin rate versus 93 with a high spin rate, the velocity on the pitch is the exact same. However, the 93 with the higher spin rate is going to be a much more effective pitch because that 93 sustains itself at the, at the strike zone. In other words, the gravity that we deal with on Earth pulls the ball down a little bit as best it can as that ball's soaring toward home plate. Well, if you have a lower spin rate, that ball is going to naturally be falling into the sweet spot of the strike zone if you're pitching at the top of the zone or into the bat as you're trying to swing and hit a baseball. A higher spin rate looks to the batter's eye in the batter's box as if it is rising like you hear about in softball That's when right. it gets to the strike zone. So if I'm standing in the batter's box and I'm facing 93 low spin rate, 8th percentile Jackson Tetro, or 93 high spin rate, 95th percentile, let's say, Corbin Burns or one of these guys, the, the fastball at the exact same velocity becomes way harder to hit, not only because of the natural mechanics of the swing and where you're trying to square up a baseball, but because it looks as if the ball is rising. And it's not. It's obviously just staying on that plane. But it isn't naturally falling off narrowly. So at the exact same speed, the effectiveness of the pitch becomes substantially more prolific. And and really, that's why we're looking for spin rate. It's why people care about that as a metric. First of all, that's an outstanding summary. Second of all, it's so funny how the chess match happened, right? Every pitcher since the dawn of time, and, and you know, up until five, six years ago, was told, get the ball down, work down, 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 down. Well, hitters heard that too. And every hitter basically came up with a way to drive low pitching. 
hitters became low ball hitters. It was basically if you threw a ball at the bottom of the zone, you were talking a high ground ball percentage. Now, guys are getting on plane. Hitters have become so advanced. We know so much about biomechanics that the opening for so many guys. Think about someone like Cody Bellinger. Guy was a you know MVP, hitting over 300 with close to 50 bombs, I think, in a season. Now, you throw him a high fastball, he's out. He's a 200 hitter that just because the whole league throws hard enough to sort of deal with it, and, and now he's nowhere near as effective as he was a couple years ago. Hitters are designed in so many different ways to hit that low pitch, right? So the response has been to sort of get into the lab and figure out the thing that you're that you're talking about. A ball is thrown with contact on the four seams. Okay, so an individual's fingers will cut across four seams, and that cut as the ball releases from your fingertips with straight up backspin has less influence from air, has less influence from gravity. And uh, you're right, it's an optical illusion. It looks like it explodes on you. It looks like it hydroplanes. It takes off when all it's really doing is staying straighter for longer. And, you know, that's conversely, you know, sort of compared to the way sinkers, two-seamers, kind of the cutters, these optical illusions that are really, really hard to hit. And all of a sudden, that 93 with that great spin rate again, if you're talking about something that Max Scherzer is a master at this. So is Trevor Bauer, uh, for the record, is tunneling your pitches. You make everything look the exact same until it changes direction. One goes left, one goes down, one goes right, some go up, and it makes it damn near impossible. you got to guess guess right and have an anticipation with where, where your bat is. That's what makes some of these guys so damn successful. So 93 can play like 105 if you're throwing a guy a slider that wipes off the table or a changeup that kind of dies or even a, a good solid sinker ball, which just doesn't have the same spin rate and gravity does affect it. It's fascinating the way these guys get in the lab and do this. Now he's got the arm strength, talking about Tetro. He's got the ability to push 94, 95 miles an hour. What's next, right? Because you can't get away with these kind of metrics and get major league hitters out consistently. And, and the only other thing I would say real quick on spin rate before we move on is, while I'm sure a lot of old school people or you know people that don't believe in any of the analytics or, or like any of that stuff, which I don't really get those folks, but whatever, it's just information. They they will say, oh, how's this spin rate in kind of this mocking way? We have tried to quantify this forever. We just weren't able to. Yep. Like hitters anecdotally have stood in the box and said, his fastball jumps on you. Or, you know, these these baseball terms you hear, like he's deceptive. You know, it's 94, but it's hard to catch up to. That's what you've heard since you were a kid. That's spin rate, basically, is what we're saying. I mean, that, that this is now not one to one, but you know there can be guys with low spin rates who are ultra deceptive, or the you can't see the ball, and then it's at home plate, or maybe they've got extension or more plain because they're taller. I mean, there's there's different things that go into it. Absolutely. But we're just trying to quantify things that we've actually known for a long time, and the numbers hadn't caught up, and then teams started to be able to see some of these things, the Rays and the Astros, and some of these advanced clubs, and now with sites like Baseball Savant and others you know, fan graphs and all these other things. We have all of this at our disposal as well. Brooks Baseball, you can log in and, and find anything you want as fans. So now it's about learning how to use it, and, and it's kind of what I'm always trying to do is asking people that are a lot smarter than me, okay, what does this actually mean? How do I use this to, to learn? What does this number tell me? Uh, I wanted to talk about the lack of power for the Nationals really quickly. In the last calendar week, they've hit two home runs by my count. Nelson Cruz has one and Lane Thomas has one. As a team on the year, they have 59 home runs. Aaron Judge that's Aaron Judge's total. 56. <laughs> um, he actually is creeping up on 30, frankly. But the Yankees, as a team, have 121. The Braves were just here. They homered 11 times in the two games I was at in two straight nights. 11 times. That, again, roughly is 
It's like over a fifth of the Nationals' home run total this year in those two games I was at. The lack of power is stunning, especially when you've got a guy in Soto who's on pace to hit 30-plus. So you take him out of the equation, man, is it slim pickings. You get a few from Bell. You get a few from Cruz. Lane Thomas has swung for the fences. But, like, they were at, at a time where there were, I think, three guys who, like, qualified in baseball playing every day through 40 games or something like that who didn't have a homer. Cesar Hernandez was one. Alcides Escobar was another. Like, they, they just, they've got guys that don't homer. As good a year as Kbert Ruiz is having. Only a couple home runs behind the plate. So, if you're looking at team totals, Danny, Yankees 121, Braves 110, Astros 99, some of the tops in baseball. The Tigers have 41, which is staggeringly low. I mean, that's... That's 11 or so low. more than Aaron Judge, basically. The Nats have 59. Just something to keep in mind as you watch them. They are not a threat to leave the park very often. Yeah, that's why you've seen some inconsistency in the offense. They've had big crooked number games where you know everybody hits, the merry-go-round continues, and it's and it's a nice thing. I mean, look at you know we're recording this here on Monday, Sunday's game. They had a bunch of hits early on in that ball game, but when you don't hit the ball over the fence consistently. That's now your most premium, consistent way to score runs, right? Because as we were just talking about for the first you know, several minutes of the show, pitching is better than it's ever been, and it's not close. The stuff these guys have is patently absurd. So good luck trying to get double-digit hits every night and playing small ball and moving runners up. you got to get one crooked number. Somebody's got to leave the yard. You guess right, you get one, and that's that. The guy that's really, I think, hurt them, and you mentioned him, hey, he has a homer this week, which is really good, but Nelson Cruz, I, you're counting on him for – Ten more than 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 he had at, at you know at this point hitting in a pretty good spot in the order with a couple guys that have swung it well. Josh Bell's been consistent right around three hundred with you know his uh, eleven homers. Juan Soto's going to be on base a billion times in front of you. He's getting pitches. He's getting his opportunities and he hasn't converted. I think that's been a real killer for them in terms of home run totals. Obviously, he's not going to put you up with the Yankees well over a hundred at this point, but you shouldn't be fifth or sixth last in the league. Uh, you know, with a guy like Nelson Cruz who's got such a great track record. Soto, by the way, going into the week. I think has 13 more walks than anybody else in baseball. That's insane. Yes, it is. Now, I know that that doesn't butter your bread and isn't necessarily going to you know, have you running out to buy a jersey, but it is a skill, right? He's got this unbelievable batter's eye, and part of it is he gets pitched around in this lineup, clearly. But you have to take your walks. That's a skill. Remember Bryce Harper, who's a multi-time MVP, would have won a third MVP possibly this year if he didn't just break his thumb this week. But the Phillies, you know, he couldn't take his walks. He would get out of rhythm and he would get into these month-long funks because Joe Madden or some smart manager would basically say we're not pitching to him to this series he's red hot and he would start swinging at balls the next thing you know with his complicated swing he'd be hitting 176 for five weeks Soto doesn't really do that and it's always been what amazes me about him he actually does take his walks Uh, to your point he is on base plenty for the Masters behind him. You mentioned Josh Bell. We should give him a little love. They're about to play the Pirates, is the team he came from. Bell obviously going to be traded, I would say, this year uh, by the Nationals. I still hope after they trade him that they go back this offseason. And he's a Boris guy, but get with him. Get with Scott Boris and try to bring him back here. I I think he's a great fit in D.C. with what they're trying to do organizationally. Uh, he can play here. It's he's comfortable here. He likes it in the ballpark, and he's become a fixture in the clubhouse and in the community. Uh, so I, I want him to be here long term, but you got to get something for him. This trade deadline, he is hitting 308 with 11 homers and 46 RBI in 882 OPS. I mean, if he he's red hot right now. Uh, if he stays 
hot, though, going into mid-July. You know, the last week he's hitting 400. The last 15 games he's hitting 333. The last 30 games he's hitting 327. Josh Bell could be one of the best available hitters on the market. Remember, he's a switch hitter. I know he's pretty much first base or bust defensively, and it's not a particularly great first base. But with everyone having a DH now on a team that just needs a middle-of-the-order impact bat, to bring in a switch hitting DH gives him even more value. They're not going to get an elite prospect for him, but they could do really, really well for Josh Bell even in a suppressed market at this point. And he doesn't kill you from, it's not one side is that much better than the other either. He's, he takes his base hits from both. I mean, smaller sample, hitting right-handed, obviously, against lefties, but he's been a, a 280 hitter, I, I think, with an OPS well over 800 on, on that side of the plate. Watching him take his base hits instead of just trying to jump yard has been has been fascinating. I mean, this is a someone that big and that strong, you usually think, okay, that's going to be Adam Dunn type stuff, right? Where it's just all or nothing, a lot of one for five with, you know, hitting 200, but with 35, 40 homers. He's on pace for low 20s, but as you mentioned it, he's just sometimes not trying to do too much, just sort of flicking the back because, again, he's that big and strong, taking his lower half out of it and just, you know, poking base hits into, into different parts of the ballpark. He's been really, really impressive as, as that kind of a hitter, kind of finding himself, coming into his own for what he is. I'm sure someone that, that's that big and strong, everybody been yelling at him to, you know, drop and drive, get big, you know, Hit hit more fly balls, walls. You know it doesn't matter if they're wall scrapers. You got so much power. I think this is the best version of himself, a guy that doesn't try to do too much and maybe takes more base hits than you think. And he's done this before. Remember, he had That's a right. year where he was an all star and one of the better hitters in the league at times with the Pirates, and and he was a stud. So we have seen this version of him. He, he's an outstanding bat. I mean, he really is. And my hope is that they can do well in a return. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention before we get to our Jackson Tatro interview here. On Boston Loose Baseball, talking to the 26-year-old arm, who's made a couple strong starts in a row for the Nationals. I wanted to commend Brian Snitker, the manager of the Braves, who announced on Monday that he was inviting Davey Martinez to be on his staff for the All-Star Game in L.A. in July. Remember, this was a story last summer. So Davey would have gotten to be the all-star game manager in 2020. That's what happens when you win the World Series. And the Nats were robbed of pretty much everything cool that you get from winning the World Series because of the COVID pandemic that rummaged and ruined the baseball season in 2020. And one of the side effects for Davey Martinez individually was that he did not get to manage in the all-star game. So then when Dave Roberts announced his staff last year, a lot of people expected that he would put Davey Martinez on the staff as just kind of a make good and a nice gesture. And I don't remember the specifics of why it didn't happen, but it didn't happen. And it was a story after the fact. Well, Brian Snitker, who seems like a really good dude, manager of the defending champion Braves who are on fire, is managing the National League version of the All-Star team this year, and he told Davey Martinez he wants him on his staff. Now, when MLB announced this on Monday, they didn't say directly that that was why, but I'll bet you that's exactly what's happening, is he wants to give Davey his chance to do something that was earned, that he didn't get in 2020. So it's a big deal for Martinez, I'm sure. It's got to be a really, really cool honor. I would have to imagine, we haven't heard anything yet, but that he would take him up on that offer and go out to L.A. and hang out with some of the game's best. But good on Snitker. What a cool gesture. Yeah, tip of the cap. That's that's really cool. I, I just saw that as, uh, as as you were talking. That's a neat thing, man. Because we talk about this all the time as it affects Nat's ownership and you know really the fans and just this whole organization was robbed of what should have been that you know victory tour of that of that really 
overly joyous thing that comes from basking in a World Series, and that's just one other thing. That's just one other element on, on that heap, on that big pile of what was taken away from us in 2020. I know it's not as significant as real world stuff, but in terms of sports tragedies, yeah, it's right in there, man. It's a uh, it's it's a bummer. So good on Snicker for uh, for giving Davey that nod. All right, without further ado, let's let you hear our interview with Jackson Tatro. He is the young starter who's made quality. Starts back-to-back for the Nationals. Finally, something fun and young to root for in this rotation. Uh, here he was here on Bustin' Loose Baseball. Bang, zoom. Grant and Danny joined by Jackson Tatro, who is the 26-year-old arm who's gone back-to-back with quality starts for the Nationals, including indoors at Globe Life Park in Texas. Four hits and one earned run over six innings in Sunday's win against the Rangers. Jackson, thanks so much for the time. How are you? Hey, Grant and Danny, how you guys doing? Thanks, thanks all for having me on, and thank you for that uh, that awesome intro. I'm doing well. It's a pleasure, buddy. Take us into it, man. That first start, you're up there in the big leagues. The lights are bright, and no big deal. It's just Ronald Acuna stepping in uh, against you. One of the most talented guys ever to play this game. What's going through your mind? I'd love for you to walk us through it. Oh, man. I, what was going through my mind? I don't even know what was going through. Get it all in. You know, it, it's an incredible experience. Just for it. I mean, not, not a lot of people get get to um, be on this stage, and it was really, really awesome. And I mean, the nerve the nerves were there for sure. I was uh, I was up there, and uh, yeah, when you when you're looking across, and you, the first guy you're facing is, is Ronald Acuna. You you're uh, I guess uh, a, a little a little intimidated could be could be a, a word that's used, but um, there's no room for that. I was like, man, I, I don't. I can't really feel my body right now. I got to just try and throw this really hard over the plate somewhere <laughs> and uh, and uh, see, see, see if he'll miss it. <laughs> and luckily he did. Yeah, he ended up striking him out. So I went to the game because I was pumped to see you. I've been tracking you in the minors and hoping you got the call. And I said, okay, he's getting the start at Nats Park. Let me go over there. And you strike him out. And I ended up feeling for you because it was on a night, basically, where this almost never happens when a guy gets called up. But – the bullpen situation was brutal. Everyone is not available. And they just had you wear it against a team that had won 13 straight games. And you're out there, and it doesn't matter what's happening. Like You need to give them four or five innings if you can. What was that experience like? Because I-, I imagine there's no lonelier feeling than them basically saying, like, hey, man, we need outs. Like They normally have the 37-year-old guy who makes $15 million do that. With with like his his high ERA, but he makes money and he like makes jokes in the clubhouse, so everyone likes him. Not the debuting kid who's been waiting for this his whole life. That, what a crazy circumstance that was. Yeah, I, I was aware going in that the bullpen was thin. Um, you know, just just and as, as a starter, you, you want to try and try and save those guys as much as you can. Um, I definitely, you know, of course, would have liked to go a little bit longer, but. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a tough lineup for sure. I'm, but you know, I'm really not gonna, I'm not gonna shy away from those lineups. I mean, if you want to have success in this league and, and stay up here, you got to be able to, to, uh, to handle those lineups and, and keep them at bay. Um, I'm looking forward to, to get another shot at them for sure. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's definitely crazy. The circumstances, you know, they, they were what they were, and, and that's just kind of the way it goes. You know, it, it's it's the way the game is, and, and you got to and just, you know, compete, really. That's all you can try and do. 
Jackson Tetro with us here on Grant and Danny. And I got to tell you, man, tip of the cap, because that that first outing, that's tough for anybody, let alone a guy making his debut. And all you've done since then is allow one Ernie in 13 innings over two starts. The ability to bounce back, man, it's, that's the thing people talk about with Major League makeup and, and, and that resiliency is just so incredible. So first of all, congrats on that. Second of all, how do you wipe that one clean and then go back out and, and shove against a couple other pretty good lineups? Yeah, yeah, thanks for that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think a big thing for me has just since being up here, I've really I've been able to kind of watch the uh, watch other guys, see what see what they do throughout the week, you know, with their routines and stuff, and and talk to the trainers and the strength coaches and everything. I think that's been a big thing for me to, to try and uh, develop my own routine and just it, it's kind of it's a comfort thing for sure, like. If you if you're in your in your routine and you believe in your preparation, you're going to be comfortable um, and 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 confident. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, just going in there with with, with confidence, um, you, you're probably gonna you have a good chance at, at at some at some success if you're if you believe in yourself going in, you know. And uh, I mean, the, yeah, the I know the, the the debut was a little rough, but you know it's. It is what it is, you know. Th- this is a hard game, and and uh, you're gonna have some rough ones every now and then. And even down in the minors, you know, you have rough ones, and you, you just gotta you kind of learn to to learn from it, and then just move past it, and 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 uh, get the when when you get the ball again, go back out and compete and try and get a win for your for for the team. Thirteen innings of one run ball in his last two starts. Jackson Tatro, one of the reasons to watch, one of the reasons Nats fans have been so excited, turning on their TVs these last couple of times through the rotation, joining us on Grant and Danny. Uh, for you, let's talk r- repertoire. You've thrown, you've been fastball dominant, and I know that you were ninety ninety one a few years ago, and you added three miles an hour of velocity. And then the first time I saw you live at Nats Park, you're pumping ninety nine. I'm like, who the heck is this? Uh, so <laughs> let's talk about the added velocity first. When and where and how? I mean, because you you added at a time in your career, you're twenty six now, but at an age where it normally doesn't happen. Like, what were you doing, and, and how did that come about? Um. Yeah, I think, I think like over the past few years, my my velocity has climbed like a couple miles an hour, like or just one or two miles an hour over the last couple years to get up to where it is now. I I think um, I'm I don't, I'm not real sure. I can't say for sure what the you know you know what I can credit it to. I think just well, do you, is, is it mechanical tweaks or like do you, did you start using those like heavy balls, throwing them against the wall? Like was there anything like that that you consciously did? To add velocity, uh, um, you know, I I made some mechanical changes in the off season a couple of years ago. Um, I was I was a big um, like drop and drive, and, and if you don't know what that means, that kind of just means like when when I when I come to my lift point, instead of you know going driving down the mound, um, you know out like down down the mound and down. If, if, if it makes sense, like down down the slope all at once instead of dropping straight down and then going down the slope, um, I think I think just that helps my body move efficiently, and I think that's that's the biggest thing. If you can if you can find out how your body moves the most efficiently, that's when you're going to get the most um, uh, the most out of your your stuff and your velo and everything. So I think that's probably it for me. I was just. And, and and I'm still I'm still learning things. No, I, I certainly haven't figured it all out. Um, so and I'm hoping to to continue to improve as I as I uh, you know 
mature and 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 uh, grow in this league. Jackson, do you th- then now the nerds disagree about this? Baseball savant says one thing, Fangraph says another. Is it a cutter or a slider? <laughs> I I call it a slider, but I can certainly understand uh, <laughs> that people call it a cutter. Like it, it, it probably plays like a cutter, and um, yeah, that's that's actually one thing I'm 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 working on a lot in my pens is is I would like it to be more of a slider. I've it, it's been working well for me. Like I've been able to to um, you know miss barrels and 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 like get soft contact with it. So it's definitely been a useful pitch for me. But I'm I'm I am looking to try and get some more depth on it to try and get some more swing and miss. Really, I think that's that's the the one thing that um, I'm really trying to improve on a lot is just try and get some more swing and miss with it a little, a little bit more a uh, little bit more strikeouts. You know, everyone loves strikeouts, so <laughs> that's uh, that, that's 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 what I'm going for. Well, you're already an interview pro. You led me to my follow up question, right? Is that something that you're seeking out uh, to try to get a little more depth on that slider? And I'd love for you to go into that process. But most yeah. importantly, you want those punch out numbers to, to to creep up. And I think is is that how you see your path to doing that? I think so. I, I think it's certainly a um, like a step to to getting more some more strikeouts. It you know striking out everyone is, isn't the goal, but it's certainly, you know, le- learning to, to get a punch out, you know, in certain situations, you know, having that in your back pocket where, you know, I could really use a punch out right here um, to try and salvage, you know, a, a run or something, you know, if you, you got guys in the scoring position with, with no one out, um, you know, you, you're looking for like, you know, like this would be a great time to try and get a punch out and then just limit the damage and stuff. Um, but yeah, getting, I think getting depth on my slider would really, help out a lot with that because um, right now it's a, it is a little more cutter cutterish which which means it's a little more side to side so it doesn't really drop below barrels it kind of just stays on the barrel but um, I have been getting weak contact with it so I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna complain about that at all but um, yeah I think if I can add some more depth to it, it would just be able to miss miss some more barrels which um, in certain situations is really important um, you know in, in tight ball games or something if you want to limit damage. Jackson Tatro on Grant and Danny here on The Fan. All right, now we're getting into the slightly awkward part of the interview. I hope you're buckled up and ready to go. So All right, let's do it. You're 6'5 at about 200, and when I was at a game that you were pitching in against the Braves, I chose you as the guy who I'd most want to look like. You're kind of a dreamboat. You've got a little bit of like this surfer vibe going. Now, I've got a thing against long hair, and if your hair gets, I would say, a half inch longer, I have to trade you. Uh, because I don't do like long, thin, stringy hair. He's the worst GM ever, by the way, Jackson. Uh, like Noah Syndergaard can't play for me. It's not a coincidence that Jacob Degrom cut his hair and became the best pitcher on the planet. You're fine right now. Oh, okay, okay. You're you're fine right now because you have like what I call lettuce and the locks. It's good sound. It's just if you go another half inch to an inch, you're sitting down in my office. We're having a tough conversation, right? But you're you're oh, a, all right. You're a good looking guy. I don't know where this is going. I guess my question is: Have you ever surfed? Um, what is your activity of choice like uh, away from baseball? Because I look at you and I see like guy on the beach in California. Oh well, hey, you just nailed it right there. I, I pretty much spend most of my off season out in San Diego. Um, so look at that. Who says I, don't I, judge a book by his cover? Look at that. It looks like a good book. Yeah, no. It, it, yeah, I mean, is it not obvious? You know, I mean, you you nailed it. It's it, it's um, <clears throat> but I think you're right. I do agree. It's getting to the point where 
Um, I don't know if I certainly don't want it to get much longer. If it does, I got to trim it up. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm right there with you. I, I'm not, uh, I'm not looking to get into the mullet or anything. I think I, that's kind of where it's headed. I feel like it. And, um, I there's this guy, I don't know sure. if you've seen like what Mike Clevenger does, but like I used to love Mike Clevenger so much. And now he does this thing where he like braids his hair and it's on either side of him in pigtails. And it's like, I don't, I, I don't like when the, like your, your facial hair or your hair becomes the gimmick. Does that make sense? Like it jumps the shark. Yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. I don't think that's, that's definitely not me. Like, uh, Clevenger, he, he's, uh, he knows what he's doing. He knows what works for him, and who knows? Maybe, maybe some of the guys are superstitious about this stuff. You know, they, they don't they, they don't mess with uh, their facial hair or, or their their hair, or whatever. If they're if they're doing well, they they just let it rock. So um, there was no allegation but, from me, by the way. I, I, what I really wanted to say is, I think you're a good looking guy, and your hair's the perfect length. Uh, but all I was oh, saying I is, I'm, I'm a little worried about where we're headed. Possibly, that's all, Danny. You know, I have a thing. I, he does have a thing, by the way. Like he obsesses. I have dumb hair, but he like points it out every day. Well, tell it's him like, about Trevor Lawrence. Tell him about uh, Trevor Lawrence. What about Trevor Lawrence? Oh, it's Trevor he Lawrence's hair's too me. long. Yeah. yeah, Grant would never draft the number one overall draft pick because he has long hair. My question oh, for you, man. right? Isn't that dumb, Jackson? I I I bet somebody this. And I, I want to see if I'm right. I guarantee you just have like a guitar with an arm's reach all the time. And if it's like, oh, what's that? Hey, girl. And you can just like play like really good songs and I then they like you. Like she's like, hey there, Delilah, what's it like? You know, you know what I mean? Like I feel like you could sing a little bit, but you always have a guitar. It's like, what? I just happen to have it. Like, what's up? He's a like, you know what I mean? I feel like you have his that. guitar out of his sleeve. Yaz flute? Someone needs to play Yaz flute? I feel like I'm right about that, am I? I... I, I hate to tell you, but you're but you're you're incorrect. No, I, I don't know how to play. Oh, tough. I don't know how to play how to play the guitar at all. I, but that's probably something that maybe that's something that's coming up in my future. If I spend some more time out in California, I might end up with a, like a ukulele in my hand or something, or <laughs> or, or sit, sitting on the beach and and playing my ukulele on a towel, barefoot in the grass. You know, all right. Exactly. I, I've prepared a bunch of uh, what I call our rapid fire get to know you questions. So I'm just going to yeah. rip through a bunch of these with uh, new national Jackson Tatro, who were steamed up to watch the rest of the year. Your least favorite unwritten rule in baseball, what would it be? Least favorite unwritten rule? Um, I think uh, like the 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 pimping of home runs. You know, I, I think if you if you smash a home run, and I mean you deserve to look at it. I think. I, I mean, it, and I don't. And I, if someone if someone takes me deep, way, way deep, and they look at it, hey, I don't blame them. Same time yeah, though, I, I you think, can now scream at the guy, right? If he's if he's able to pimp a home run, if you punch him out, you can scream. You can primal yell well, at him. Yeah, you can give a little fist bump for sure. Yeah, I, I think it it, it comes. Uh, yeah, yeah, hand in hand. You know, if you if if the, the guy can stare at his home run, hey, I can I can give a little uh, a little yell up there if I punch you out next at bat. So. <laughs> Favorite food item to see in the post-game spread? Favorite food item? Well, my favorite food item in general are burgers. So if, if I if there's a if there's a nice juicy burger available, I'm all over it. Burger toppings. Just kind of walk me through the ideal Jackson Tetro burger. So, like any sort of like cowboy burger or something with like barbecue sauce mm-hmm. and bacon on there, uh, like mm-hmm. some caramelized onions, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, Maybe, maybe some pickle, throw some pickle on there. 
That's probably that's probably my burger right there. About. Do it's I have burger. a new favorite national? It's a good Is burger. Is this happening that's right now? <laughs> Bacon cheeseburger Tatro. I love that. Uh, oh, most yeah. funny minor league memory. Does anything stand out as like a bus breaking down or a wacky giveaway or something where you look back at your time coming up through the minors that was particularly hilarious? Um, well, speaking of bus breaking down, that did happen to us one time. We, um, I think it was like my first year, I think down in low A or something. We were coming back from a road trip and it was late. Um, it was like a late getaway day and we're sit we're, we're on the bus and we, we have those, uh, they're called sleeper buses. So they kind of have like, like bunk bed type things on the bus where you can lay down. It's, it's not luxury at all. I guarantee you that, but it's like, and so we're on there and I'm laying down on one, I'm sleeping. And then I hear this loud bang and everyone jumps up and is like, what, you know, what was that? And the bus pulls over and. The bus, so the, the bus tire blew out and it blew off like the quarter panel of the bus. Like the, so we're sitting on the side of our, we have to wait for a new bus. We end up being on the side for like a couple hours. It's, <laughs> it's like two in the morning or something. And we're just like, if this isn't minor league baseball, I mean, I don't know what is. So that, that's one thing that sticks out for me when what I look back. On, I think that was in low eight. So yeah, I think that feels right. in, yeah. 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 <laughs> Open bar situation, any cocktail at your disposal, any any kind of adult beverage, what's your go-to order? Just, just give me a good old classic old-fashioned. Mm. Uh, this is my guy! Jackson Tatro <laughs> is my guy. We throw 98, and we get old fashions, and we eat bacon right. cheeseburgers. Superpower you'd want. What's superpowered? You get all of the options. What are you taking? Superpower? Um, I'd say... I think the ability to like travel through time, so like to go back in time or something. I think that'd be cool to, but but no one can see me though. Like I have to go back in time, and like if I want to go back and see my younger self or something doing something, I want to be able to be there, but but my younger self not see me. So I need to be invisible and travel in time. This feels Marty McFlyish. Are you using it for good yeah, or bad? Yeah. Are you stopping terrible <laughs> things? Or are you like going back and betting on a game? Or just watching Biff's, your little league game? Biff Sportsbook. <laughs> I, I think I don't think I I don't think I thought through it that much. I think I was just going back to to maybe like rewatch some memories or something from when I was little. I'm not going back to to bet on anything or anything like that. Jackson Tatro with us here on G and D. Couple more moments with him. TV show you're binging or something that you really like that you binged. Oh, so uh, I've been so me and my girlfriend have been watching Shameless um, on Netflix. It's a it, it it it's not for kids. So the kids are are listening. Don't don't go and watch that. But uh, it's a it's a pretty funny show, and that's what we've been watching lately. We, we've been all over that. We're, I think we're I'm happy there's so many seasons because we're in like season eight or something, and there's still like four more to go, and I'm pumped about that. So that's so the thing that the show. lost me about that show was, and I watched it, and I really really liked it. William H Macy and and. Um, Oh, what's the girl's name? Emma, whatever her name is. Um, really, yeah, really yeah. good. But that show, there's a million seasons. I felt like it was just never going to end. It was too much for me. It was daunting. Really, I, I love that because because you're a reasonable person, Jackson. You're you're getting a feel for Grant now. You can't play for him if you have hair that's like a certain yeah, length or exactly. looks a certain way. And if there's too much good yeah. content, that's bad too. 
Yeah, jeez, you can't can't have can't have hair, and you can't have long. Uh, well, no, no, everyone should have hair if they want to have more than a certain amount of seasons. Like that. And also, I, I'm not about. I don't believe in telling people what they should or shouldn't do. So you're allowed to grow your. If you want to grow your hair down to your knees, you can do it. It's just I, I got five spots in my rotation, and I just I'm just trying to. I don't know. I don't know anymore. You know what I mean? Here's some Clippers. You see what yeah. I'm saying? I, I I hear you. That's that's. I mean, I mean, look it. Hey, you, you can't make everyone happy, and if you got to cut me from the team, very diplomatic. <laughs> you got if you're throwing 98, you got a spot. I'll give you that. Um, 17 right, innings right. so far in with the Nationals, and he's pitched and and played really well. Uh, what about indoor baseball? I was I had a hot take where I was so out on indoor ballparks for so many years, and then I went to the Trop, which everyone beats up on. And I kind of loved it. That was because I was the only person there, and there was no lines for food or or the bathroom or anything. But I'm in on it. I went to the World Series for the Nats in Houston. Uh, it's 70 degrees and comfortable when it's 100 outside. You just pitched on a 110-degree day in Texas, and it was 72. What's your thoughts? Yeah, uh, I think in general, if, the, if, if it's nice out, I prefer to play outside. But, I mean, you, you kind of hit it on the head there. I mean, and, and I was I was – I was uh, very thankful for it the last in Texas because it was like you said, like a hundred degrees, and I, I'm not. I'm, I, I'd much prefer to pitch in a nice uh, AC area than to, to be out there um, soaking up the Roslyn bag every pitch and out in the out in the hundred degree weather. <laughs> so there's certainly a place for it for sure. Jackson, thanks so much for joining us, man. Really appreciate it. Congrats on everything, and uh, it was awesome to catch up with you, bud. Keep going, okay? Hey, thank you guys. I really appreciate you guys you guys having me on. See you later. That was Nationals right-hander Jackson Tatro here on Bustin' Loose Baseball. Let's hope he can stay hot. Speaking of hot, let's get into our studs and our duds for the last week. That was we'll go around the horn. We welcome in our producer, Darius Dameron, to get us started. So let's go positive first. Let's go with your stud of the week. I love positive first, and we will keep it positive first with hopefully who should be a candidate to be in the All-Star game at first base, Josh Bell. Josh Bell is 9 of 18 these over this last week. Batting that's that's right, batting a cool five hundred this last week, uh, just a cool LPS of just over twelve hundred. I mean, you know, that's we'll just accept it. This is something that he does. Uh, so yeah, Josh Bell's my stud of the week. Should we discuss that a little bit? Darius just casually dropping maybe an All Star. I have a hard time believing the Nats will get two, and my thought is Juan Soto will be there. Not only because he's got some impressive, got some juice, advanced numbers as it is, but he's also Juan Soto. What is the chance that Bell gets in? If a couple of guys say no, I could totally see it. And he is moderately deserving. I haven't really dove too deep into the first base uh, field. Maybe Darius, you could pull that up. But he's got all-star caliber numbers right he now. He certainly does. You, you're hitting 310 uh, almost with uh, you know, the OPS that he has been. And he's only had one kind of little funk, but it didn't last for very long. He's He's been really, really good. So he's certainly worthy. All right, Darius, I want you to uh, – we're going to come back to this. I want you to find the the top first base numbers in baseball so we can see how far off from all-star pace he might be. All right, uh, Danny, who you got for your start of the week? We just talked to him, Jackson Tatro. You got a .69 ERA over your last two starts, giving up one run in 13 innings. He's been really, really good. And, again, we talked about sustainability at the top of this podcast. I- I'm not telling you that it is. 
you know, giving up one run in 13 innings every time you pitch is pretty absurd. That's a .69 ERA, as I mentioned. But he's been really, really good over a couple weeks, and that's really what we're talking about. So I'm going to go with a couple of arms and, and grab bag it here. Uh, Eric Fetty in the last week went six scoreless. Josiah Gray went seven innings, two runs, nine punchies. And Tanner Rainey, three for three in save chances with a batting average against at about 180. Any of those three guys could be a player of the week for me. I guess I'll go JoJo Gray just because I like watching him, and he struck out nine, was pretty overpowering as my stud of the week. All right, Darius, let's uh, let's get the update then. NL first baseman, top of the board. I, you know, Pete Alonso's having an MVP season. He stands out. Who else is up there? Uh, so Paul Goldschmidt obviously has, oh, been, yeah. has been spectacular this season. He's the only first baseman in the National League with over 1,000 OPS. Uh, you also have C.J. Crone in Colorado. He He's got up been, to a blistering start and has kind of cooled off. Yeah, cooled off a little bit, but of course. his numbers are crazy. Yeah, He's got good. like 50 driven in. A lot of it is at home, though, as it is with most Colorado players. Uh, and then Josh Bell ranks fourth in OPS amongst first basemen in the NL. So... Yeah, he, Josh Bell's up there, right, with the top guys. He is. So that, but that speaks to there are three guys having better years. So basically, a couple of them would have to probably say they're not going because it's a, that's a tough competition. Goldschmidt or Pete Alonso is probably going to win the MVP in the NL. I, I would say with with Bryce Harper hurt. I mean, depending on what happens with Manny Machado, there's a couple other guys obviously in the conversation there. But uh, but yeah, Bell's had a huge year. It would be really cool if he got honored and got to play Be in neat. Los Angeles. All right, let's go to the duds of the week. Very different conversation here. Regrettably, what do we think? Uh, been a tough, been a tough stretch for Luis Garcia. We kind of knew this was coming. A little bit of regression. He he started off so hot. It was it was inevitable that his numbers would come down a little bit. Only batting one fifty eight over the last uh, week or so here. Three hits over the last week. A few strikeouts, of course. His issues in the field, but uh, Luis Gar- Garcia. We expect him to bounce back, but he'll be my dud of the week for now. Dud of the week for yours truly. He and I have the same number of hits over his last 11 at-bats, which is never a good sign for Mikel Franco hitting zero, zero, zero. Oh, for his last 11. The is same he your dud every me. week? No, most weeks. Darius? No, that's not fair. Do we Lots need to of look weeks. that up? I feel like he's been his dud in almost every show we've done. We will have to start keeping stats on how many duds and studs we're giving out to particular players. Are you sure he hasn't been your dud every oh, week? Oh, I'm not sure at all. Um, but I will say he is Oprah's last 11, so you can't say it's <laughs> no, anything I'm, other than, you know, it's not. maybe there's some bias there. I, I looked for it, and I found it. First two or three weeks of the year, he was actually productive. But you have hated the idea of Michael Franco at third since before Michael Franco became their third baseman. That is correct. And it just seems like it makes its way onto bust and loose baseball. I'm not telling you you're doing anything wrong. It's also correct, by the uh, way. I'm going to go Cesar Hernandez, four for his last 19 at the plate. I think only one of those hits is for extra bases. All year long, he has really struggled for power. Does he have a home run yet? I feel like he has not homered this season. And he has played in almost every game, which is almost impossible to do. If he's homered, he's homered once, and I just don't remember it off the top of my head. I got a big zero in the home run category for How Cesar many Hernandez. Bats? I'm thinking we're at like 278. 304. Yeah. <laughs> what are we doing here? He hit over 20 last year, and the Nationals brought him in and said, we want you to get on base. We don't need you to hit home runs because he lost so much batting average. But maybe they should have cooled off on their we don't need you to hit home runs thing. He, he took it literal. He, he, he took 314 it very clip. literally. 314 at-bats? No, I'm saying that's his on-base percentage, 314. Oh, right. Okay, right. And you said it's 304 at-bats, though. 304 at-bats, getting on-base at a 314. I, I just can't do that. I, I, what are we doing here, Harry? Yeah. Yeah. I, I need a little more than that. Now, why are the Nationals so down towards the bottom of the league in home runs again? 
That doesn't help. 304 bats with zero. And he has 70 career home runs with well, zero but this I'm season. Saying, look, at his, look at last season. Pull up last year for him, and you read off that home run total. I think you might Starts be a, with a, two. a little bit surprised. Yeah, looking at uh, it is it is 20. 20 home runs. <laughs> like what? I, I know that they said, we don't need you to hit home runs. We just want you to get on base. But some. But it didn't Five. mean they meant never homer. Whatever you do, you're not allowed to homer. Four. Four would be nice. Seven. Like, let's get crazy. Excuse 21, me, 21. Yeah, there we go. 21, 21 bombskis. Uh, all right. This has been Bustin' Loose Baseball. We are back at it later this week with a brand new episode, and we will have some superlatives for you at that time. Lay, the, the road ahead, really quickly. You got the Pirates and the Marlins coming to town at Nats Park. I'm going to get out to a couple of these games. Can we beat the Marlins, please? Uh, enough with the getting knocked around by Miami. I know they got good pitching, but I just... It, that one hurts a little bit more. It shouldn't bother me the way it bothers me, but it bothers me. That's my summer. That's my summary. Just don't be dominated by the Marlins, man. And by that, I mean the Marlins, man. You Marlins, know, man. Don't that, be dominated by Marlins, man. That annoying guy who always wears orange, who's at every game and makes it about himself. Can you imagine having so little to do that that's your thing? He has so much money, I guess. He must. Because I don't. I guess he works while he's at games or something. I don't really know. But is, he's is always he responding at to, Is he doing Zoom chats from behind the, behind the uh, He has the plate. best seats at every game all the time. Boston Loose Baseball in the books for Darius and Danny. I'm Grant saying so long. We are back at it in a couple of days.